right, welcome to the show. My name is Trey Carland, and my guest today is Tim Kliss. And Tim is a contemporary or uncompromising non-duality speaker who hosts regular meetings online. And I think you're starting to do some residentials now, aren't you? Well, not a residential, but yeah, I'm, I'm speaking this weekend in um, Copenhagen. So I'm doing, it's not residential, but it's five meetings over the weekend. Nice. Cool. Which, is, which is lovely, yeah. Yeah, you've also written a book called This Deafening Silence. I haven't read the book, but the title is very intriguing. Well, it's time, it's time you read it, Trey. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> and Tim's website is also lovely. It's timplissthis.com. Lots of lovely little videos and oh, writing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yes, it is lovely. I mean, I say that I didn't have anything to do with it, so um, it feels it feels fine to promote it as uh, it's. I think I think it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And um, one of the things that the, you do in these these online meetings is you typically open with an intro that sort of. I guess lets people know where this non-duality, what even though you can't really describe what non-duality is, it's yeah, it's more or less just an intro. So I was wondering if maybe you could just give us an intro before we start our conversation here. Yeah, sure. Um yeah, the phrase non-duality. First, I should say there isn't something called non-duality. Mm -hmm. Because it immediately you label something, and of course, then you're speaking about it. And that's not what's being spoken about because it isn't a thing. Um, it, it can only be said what it's not, not what it is. Um, but really it's saying the, the normal premise that there is two, that there's a subject and an object, um, me being the subject and everything else being objects in relation to me is illusory that that is that's a fiction but it is a very convincing illusion and the illusion comes from the reality of myself so i am real as a subject and once i have a sense of a bodily felt sense that i'm real that i am a separate being inside of this body that is living this life, then there is everything else in relation to me. And that, that for want of a better word, is what you could call duality. So non-duality is just pointing to the illusory nature of that as how life really is. Now, non-duality doesn't suggest anything is replacing that. It's just that that might be seen to be illusory. So the the absence of it feels like the absence of what I called myself. And in that seeming absence, everything is exactly the same as it is. But as well as being what it is, it is also obvious that it's not what it seems to be, what it appears to be, what I've always thought it was, which was exclusively real. I took myself to be exclusively real. 
And so everything else then is, is real in relation to my reality. The absence of that is what we can't speak about. And that's what we're speaking about as non-duality. Very nice. I'm, I'm curious a little bit about the, uh, the seeker story. Obviously, everybody's got different takes. And I think a lot of the non-duality speakers today are talking about the irrelevance of the seeking, that it really didn't bring one closer to this, whatever you want to call this, yeah. recognition. So, but at the same time, I've also heard you say all we have as human beings is stories. So yeah. Yeah. why not why not indulge a little bit? In, well, uh, I don't I don't mind indulging in the story. As long as, but the problem with doing so, and there is, there is a seeming problem, there is no problem with it, but the seeming problem is, is taken to be, oh, that's the way then. Right. Oh, well, that's, that's how he came. If you tell a story of becoming, which all stories are that, either of gaining or losing, then it can't help but be heard by self as a way a possibility and this this message is always speaking of the impossibility of possibility because possibility is the reality of the future that there is a, a real future in which i could realize become actualize <laughs> enlighten any fantasy that i've had about what this human, human being, which I've called myself, might actually learn, understand. And of course, the biggest fantasy is that I can become one with the whole, because at the moment I feel separate from the whole. However, I've envisaged that as God, as the universe, as consciousness, as awareness, whatever... What, whatever each human being has fantasized that wholeness would look like. <laughs> and that's the danger with telling a story. But you want a bit of my story, do you? Uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, well, well, my story isn't one of being a spiritual seeker, unlike... Um, most most people who speak about non-duality they seem to have had a long spiritual path i would say i had a long psychological seeking path so i sought self through psychological understanding of myself looking to understand myself if i knew myself if i which again whether whether it's psychological or spiritual then you could say that is the search the search is always for who am I? You know, in, in traditional advice, uh, that, that is the search of who, I, who am I is the question. And of course, the psychological search is the same. So although they appear very different, you know, the actual, the, en the energy of wanting to know is the same. And so uh, I, I did, I read a lot of psychology. Um, I was a I was a PE teacher, a phys ed teacher in American terminology. 
um, for most of my life. And then I taught uh, religion and geography and anything else that they would let me teach in the school now that I couldn't run around the field. Um, and then once, so I studied psychology. Um, I, I suffered with depression periodically throughout my life from, from early twenties onwards. And of course that was all about, that was all about me. Depression is very much about me. And so I, it seemed rational to study this self to find out. And then the more I knew, the better, I, better equipped I would be to deal with myself if I understood myself. So I studied psychology. I, I had quite a lot of therapy, own personal therapy. And you could say the culmination of that was um, deciding to train as a therapist myself. So I did that because, of course, if I understood other selves, then that would help me understand myself. It was all self-centered. I have told therapists this before, and they don't like it quite often, that um, <laughs> they always hope, hope that they could be better by helping others. Um, but surprise, surprise, none of that helped because knowledge is by its very essence, understanding and knowledge is um, relative always. It's always relative. I, I understand relatively. I, I know what is in relation to me relatively. And that's insatiable, that need to know, which you could say is the very sense of self itself is that need to know. In order to keep myself safe, I need knowledge. Because if I don't know what's going on, then I can't keep myself safe. And um, in the story, you could say that became more and more and more obvious and inescapable that this, this quest to know myself was futile. And um, Inevitably, that futility, if self, no matter, it can't delude itself anymore, that knowledge will bring me closer, that it has actually brought me any closer. I think that's the most dreadful. The most dreadful awareness or obvious fact can be that all my understanding and all my knowledge has not brought me one inch. I've never traveled. I've, there's, it's not that I'm further away. There's just simply been no traveling. <laughs> now, the great irony is, of course, that is the peace that passes all understanding. And that is what is longed for. But it is what is feared most. So it became. Undeniably, there was there was it was impossible to deny anymore that. Um, that I could, there would be no getting any closer. And of course that led to despair. I'd be amazed that anyone, any self doesn't feel desperate and a, a, a overwhelming sense of despair in the futility of the search. Yeah. So that's, that, 
that's pretty much the story. I mean, I, I, each time I tell a story, this is the interesting thing about telling stories about ourselves. Every time you tell it, it's different. I mean, there's, there's, that should tell us everything we want to know about That's our story. You, yeah. you, if I asked you to tell your story, Trey, it would be different from the last time you told it. Yeah, it's true. It's always changing. It's Never. always new. So the story, the story is equally this, what, that we're speaking of. It's always fresh. It's always new. It's always a new mishmash of vague memories and thoughts that just appear randomly from nowhere that we we say we're recalling and yet <laughs> it it doesn't take it doesn't take any knowledge or understanding to see that thoughts just appear from we you have no idea from nowhere and they and as soon as they've appeared they've disappeared and um that's the freedom we're speaking of yeah, so none of that ever really happened. No. <laughs> well, until we tell a story, I mean, everyone will say, yeah, but what about there's a video of you speaking, you know, then that, that happened. I went, well, <laughs> that's the video is happening. But that didn't happen. The video is happening. That's I mean, it's this is <laughs> this is really not speaking about anything spiritual. I don't have any sense of that. This is glaringly obvious. And every, every, every human being knows this, but of course has to deny it because in the acknowledgement of this obvious fact of only what's happening, then there is no place for me. You know, I, I, it can feel like the very ground you stand on has fallen away because the ground I stand on is my knowledge that I am real, that, that I am, I am is the ground. And if that falls away, what, what am I? Who am I? And there is no, there is no satisfactory answer to that. This isn't about coming to a new conclusion that I can be happy with. This is conclusionless. This is saying that all conclusions are all imagined. You've also said that this this recognition, whatever you want to call this, um, we'll just use the word liberation because that seems, but this is not what the individual is actually seeking for. This is not what yeah. you were looking for when you were on this speaking path. No. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about. Well, that's, that's very straightforward because I was seeking to, um, to know my own liberation, to know when I was free, to know when I was enlightened, to know when I was liberated, to know when I was awakened. <laughs> because it's, that's, that's all I can do. By the way, that, there's no, this isn't suggesting that there's anything wrong with that. What, what wants to be said is that that's inevitable because that's all I can do. As myself, I can only, I can only think and imagine in those terms. And um, no, this isn't like that. This is this is completely not knowing. So, so it's not what. And if I said what I wanted, of course I wanted, I wanted to be at one, with oneness, 
I wanted to be pure awareness. I wanted to be, I wanted to know God. I wanted to be at one with God. Of course, that, that is the longing, that is the search. And um, so this message is devastating for self because it's saying, well, there isn't God, there isn't oneness, and there isn't you to be at one with that. There is not this and that. So I've said from perspective of self, I am this. That's what I am. And everything else is that. And I long to be at one with that. The most, by the way, I don't just mean spiritual seekers. The most common way this is sought is to find the other human being who is my soulmate, who will complete me, who is the perfect lover, who is my other half because I feel incomplete. Um, so that, that's, you don't have to be a spiritual seeker. I'm talking about seeking as the essence of what it feels like to be me. The sense of I'm not, I'm not whole, I'm not complete. Um, and so I go off seeking completion. And then the wonderful news is, the dreadfully wonderful news is there's no one who is complete or incomplete. <laughs> there is neither. They're, they're equally just stories that self tells itself. Yeah, and I think there's an expectation among a lot of spiritual seekers that they, once this is recognized, that'll be the end of all my woes. That'll be the end of all my suffering, so to speak. But you've also talked about how this is not the end of emotional sorrow, grief. It's not the end of anything. No. You know, maybe you but it is the, No, it's not the end of anything that might appear. But what it is of the end of is whatever appears being mine. So in a way, in a way, this is much worse because what I did as self was protect, was be vigilant and um, self constantly aware of how I might keep myself safe. So there, you know, in a Freudian way, he, every everything about self is self-defensive defense mechanisms that I have to distract myself from what is the very harsh reality of life, which is that the illusion is the one of control, that I am managing my life. And um, self can't give that up. So I wouldn't want... I wouldn't want anyone hearing this think, well, how do I give that up? Because no, you are, if you try and give this up, that's just more, that's just more of keeping myself because um, who would be doing the giving up? So this isn't a path of surrender. There is simply no path to here. I mean, it is that obvious. I mean, it's just glaringly simple, too simple. All that wants to be said is there is no path to here and there's no path from here. And essentially there is no here, not that could be known. There is only here 
and that's inclusive of everything. But I, I you know, the, one of the reasons I say it's not what I wanted because I wanted bliss. I wanted, I wanted some kind of permanent state where I wouldn't feel pain. And by pain, I mean physical pain, but mostly I mean emotional, psychological pain that I felt I'd suffered from for most of my life. And I wanted to be, I really wanted to be vaccinated. To, to put it in a topical way, I wanted to be vaccinated from that so I wouldn't have to feel that anymore. Well, one reason why this is not why I want this is because there certainly is no vaccination against being human. And in a very real sense, um, life is, this being human, which we call life, without the sense of it being mine, without it belonging to me, it's more intense, direct, full on, unfiltered, because I did a lot of filtering. And um, it's, like, um, it's like what I did was turn my face away from the parts of life that I didn't want to look at. And now, now that seems an impossibility. It's like life is full in your face, smack in your face, and you can't turn away. I have to say the desire to turn away is not there anymore because there isn't the fear of looking at life in the face, you could say. But that's not what I wanted. <laughs> no. Well, it's not, is it? You ask people on a spiritual journey or any sort of seeking path, and they want, they want freedom. They want freedom for me from pain, from suffering. Well, this being human is, um, is just, what, just as it is. And regardless of your pretense that you can sanitize life, that you can filter it and make it more palatable to yourself. If, if that becomes obvious that it can just be obvious that all your efforts have been to no avail you know they haven't you you haven't actually protected yourself from any of life life freely happens and in that life is incredibly simple and easy because you because the two strategies that i used and speaking to others is this is un universal for self either runs from hides from or distracts itself from life as it is yes i often wonder because i was on a spiritual path for many years and uh, and then when i stumbled across this more, I call it non-duality 2.0, takes all the other stuff to this more pure level where there, there's not a me. But it also, it meant in a way, bidding a farm to do to all the things I thought I had done along the path to bring myself closer to what's longed for. Yeah. Realizing all that was just part of the play. And yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with it, but just no. didn't. But, the, but it is, but it is, there can be a real, a, a dreadfully intense sadness for all the effort that has been made 
to become whatever you dreamt you might become. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of tears here, and there still can be tears when I when I when it's really you get a sense of how it is for when I feel the intensity of uh, a self that's still in such pain of seeking, um, it can still it can still bring tears because it's all for nothing. And if it is obvious that it's all for nothing, then of course there is a natural compassion for that. Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. There's a lot of love in your message, not your message, but the it seems like compassion is one of those things. A lot of the people I hear talk to you seem like they can be more vulnerable in your presence and share some of those. Yeah, the the whole message, I mean, it's it's such an empty love. I mean, this is again great paradox of this. If so, there is only emptiness. So what I took to be the real things of life, they they still appear in exactly the same way. But there is this undeniable and overwhelming emptiness to everything. And that is the so the emptiness is the emptiness of meaning and purpose and direction. Um, and the great paradox is, of course, emptiness can't be full of love. And yet it feels that way. It really does. It's very obvious that this emptiness, which is the unconditional nature of everything appearing just as it appears, if it is love. I mean, it's just a word. There is, you can't find it. It doesn't, there isn't a love to be found. I mean, that's the love. That's the unconditional nature of this love. You don't have to find love, whether it's acknowledged or felt or or not, is irrelevant. In fact, the utter irrelevance of everything is love. <laughs> Is the opposite the opposite of what I thought love was, right? <laughs> hmm. So, is this conversation actually happening? Yeah, it's all that's happening. But there's no one listening, and no one speaking, and no one hearing it. As well, a- the thing is, there is in the appearance, there is, isn't there? Yeah, it appears that there is. That's so it, this this is terribly paradoxical. That's why. So it's not that it doesn't appear that Trey is listening to Tim. No, that's what appears to be happening. Hmm. There's no no. So you don't. The hardest thing about this is it sounds as though Tim came to a new conclusion about how life really is. And that's not what's being said. This is not a conclusion at all. This isn't knowledge, this isn't belief. Because what's happening is always all there is. This is completely, it's it's stating the bloody obvious. And this isn't whether I know Trey's listening or I know there's no self here. That's not what's being said. It's all irrelevant. There is only what's happening. But there, 
<laughs> what can seem to happen is that this whole sense of this happening to me can stop appearing. And if I don't turn up to life, then, then there is simply not knowing because I am is the illusion that I know. And if I don't know what the fuck is going on, and not only do I not know what's going on, it's very obvious that it's an impossibility to know. I would have to know everything. And that seems plausible, you know, if I was a genius, but it would also require me to know nothing because this is equally nothing being everything. And the, the impossibility of knowing nothing is so, <laughs> it's just so, it's so laughable that, that life becomes incredibly light. That doesn't mean to say it's always blissful or the lightness can be anger or sorrow or the lightness is everything. And the lightness is that what I've taken to be my understanding and my knowledge of the world is empty. So you, so you lose nothing, but you lose everything. <laughs> because I said I had, I had shit, you know. At least I had my story, which was real, my life. Well, no, you don't. The story remains as a story. And if you told me your life story, Trey, it would be just the same as Tim's life story, another story. And the wonder is the incredible, one of the most loving, or why it might feel like love, is that that's completely unconditional. There is no one who has a better story than anyone else. And isn't that the most wonderful news? That what you took to be, so Jesus' story, Buddha's story, Trey's story, all stories, how lovely. Now, and they're not to be dismissed. Without it, I'm, and I really mean this, without it, there's nothing. Without the story time. <laughs> And it, it can then seem obvious that every, every time you interact with another human being, then it, it, it's just storytelling. And um, there's a beautiful lightness to that. Mm. A very simple love. Beautiful. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I heard you say in one of your talks about this being the end of waiting. I feel like there's a lot of people just waiting for this yeah, without me to drop. Yeah. yeah. But maybe you could yeah. talk a little bit about those of us who are. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I understood this message. I went to see Tony Parsons for years and, um, and I studied it. I bought well over 100 books on this, this message alone, as well as a lot of spiritual and psychological books, but just on this. I, I was devouring everything that seemed radical non-duality so that I could understand it because then what else can I do as me? I, I need to get it. I need to get it. And then once I've got it, then I'll have it. 
and it'll be mine. <laughs> but of course, the more you read or the more you listen to, it can self can get very frustrated, incredibly frustrated with this, because of course, all it can do, all mind self can do is what is done with everything else that is tried to learn in life, which is find out more. When this message is always saying that there's no one to find out more and you won't get there and there is no one to get it, but you can't help but try to get it. So it can, it can lead to a, a complete disillusionment, you could say. That's what happened here. Yeah. It's interesting the term disillusionment is ultimately pointing to the dissolving of the sense of self in a way. I do like that word now. Yeah, I use it more and more. I only started using it a little while ago, I think, but I do love it now because, of course, what, what are we speaking of? But the dissolution of an illusion. So disillusionment and the great mm. illusion, there is only one core illusion. The core, the core illusion is I am. Mm. From which all illusory reality, which is the illusion that I know, stems from I know myself. And then in a way, would you say this apparent reality we live in of my life is just a projection based on conditioning or you know? no, not at all. You just don't know. No, there's no sense of it being a projection in, in a very concrete sensory way, life is more real. Without what I say about it being reality, there's no knowing what's happening, but that, that's all there is. Then, of course, what's happening has such an immediacy, um, a spontaneity that I was always afraid of. A wildness, you could say. This is, this is entirely free and is freely appearing. The illusion that I could do anything about it. And of course, most of that is what I said I could do about myself. So, the, but of course, there's two aspects to self that tries to control. Mostly I try and control my thinking, my feelings, my health, my body. But also I then go out into the world and try and not only am I trying to heal myself and heal and um, save myself, I'm also trying to heal the world and save the world. And then I wonder why I'm exhausted all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's, an, it's, it's full employment, isn't it? So that what <laughs> self is, is, is uh, a full-time job. Now, don't get me wrong. If, we call, if, if you only look after yourself, you're called a selfish bastard. And if you look after others and the, the world, you're called altruistic and kind and generous and a lovely person as opposed to a selfish bastard. But they're just two aspects of exactly the same energy, which is thinking I can make things better. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the audacity and the arrogance of self is 
I mean, why do we not speak about this more? The, the fact that a single human being, which is no more significant than a blade of grass, a drop, a raindrop or a bacteria, has this delusion of grandeur on such an immense scale that it thinks, well, it can't help but it, because what I am does, this sense of I am, puts me at the center of the universe. And everything simply really does revolve around me because everything is in relation to me. I'm the center. And um, if, if anyone's ever had an awakening experience, so-called, most nearly universally, they are this sense of there is no center, there is no division, there is no um, of being of boundlessness, of borderlessness, of there is no in-between. Because naturally, that is how life is. There is no in-between. There is no in-between you and me. There is no in-between this and that. Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, it leaves me pretty questionless, really. So <laughs> I guess if, um, yeah, anything else you feel like adding? Because I, I know this message really cuts to the chase and leaves, it's the end of the road message where there's nothing left. Yeah. Well, yeah, it can sound like the end of the road, but the wonder is that the road, there was no road and the road didn't begin. So it's not only the end of the road, it's the end of the beginning of the road. And it's the end of the whole road. The whole fucking road is blown up. <laughs> so there was no road to get here and there's no road away from here. There's just, there is no road, no journey, no path, no traveling, no traveler. What a relief. It isn't, no. I don't want to put a dampener on that, but it's funny because there is great relief, but it's not relief for me because you would think it's, again, that would be, that was what I was hoping for, that there would be great relief for me, but there's not even, <laughs> to say there's nothing in this message for me, there's not even that for me in this. There is, there is, there is a piece that I would never have, which I still can't, I can't convey, regardless of what's happening, that everything is at peace. And that at peace is the unmoving. So you can't make sense of that. And that, that wasn't a relief for me. I, or in the absence of me, it's just the emptiness is that's obvious. But I wasn't relieved. You could say I was disappointed because I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so you could say even in enlightenment, liberation, awakening, whatever fantasy you've got of not being yourself, there is even that isn't relief for me. Because there is nothing for me or not for me. You know, they, they were just stories that I told. And this, whether this feels like relief 
or whether it feels like anger or sorrow. It's all, it's all equally at peace. There's no exception. This isn't about life being a certain way. And of course, that's the only thing that I could imagine that was being spoken about, that life being a certain way, not a way that I wanted to be. So the pretense was both ways. I pretended I knew life. And I pretended life knew me, you know? What are, what are our prayers, if not that? <laughs> that life acknowledged me? Oh, no. The complete indifference, the total and utter indifference of life to me because I never was. There is no me to be recognized is a, is a freedom and a love that can't be expressed because there's no longer any longing for that recognition. And if I'm honest, that's all I ever wanted. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be known. And there was nothing ever to see or be known. Now that that's that's beyond words but that's why this message is worth talking about <laughs> because it, it is it is it is compassionate well i have a lot of gratitude for your sharing of this message thanks trey and thanks for letting me speak today yeah my pleasure thank you Good chatting with you. And again, the website is timclisthis.com. Yeah. People should check it out. Sorry, sorry for the cheesy title. When I when they when my friend made the website, I came up with it and liked it. Now I think it's a it's a little bit cheesy, but there we are. <laughs> it's a lovely site. Lots of videos and writings and yeah, so or all my videos of my meetings are on there. Um, quite a few writings, poems. And um, yeah, I, I love it how, how it's been made with their home videos um, mm. for, for each of the pages. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you again, Tim. Thanks, Trey. Uh, 